All the Things You Prayed For Chapter 18 Homecoming The door to the base is open. Good sign? Bad sign? Loop asks quietly. Not sure, Kravitz admits. He thought he'd be able to predict the Winter Soldier's strategy more easily, but Taco's been evading him at every turn. He's vaguely ashamed of that. Kravitz is the only person who had sustained contact with the Winter Soldier, with Taco, since his transformation into a weapon. Kravitz was trained by the man, and still... Taco's been leading them on a merry chase. Let me take point. Kravitz at least trusts that he'll be able to recognize a trap. Absolutely fucking not, Loop says, and breezes past him. Kravitz sighs. Loop is the second most frustrating team leader he's served under. She never does the sensible thing. Lead the way, Cap, he says, making sure to say that in his driest tone of voice. Loop throws him the bird and raises her shield. They enter. The lobby is empty. From the cursory look over the files Loop brought with her that Kravitz did on the flight over, he knows that the facility is superficially similar to the other hunger bases they've knocked down. The hunger likes to set up innocuous buildings, an ordinary floor in an office park, a bank on a quiet side street, a dingy brownstone that everyone's eyes gloss over. This one is a corporate bank branch office in a no-name building in Jersey City. The lobby is perfectly normal, other than the emptiness. No signs of violence or struggle here. No signs of people. There's a bank of elevators on the far wall. This, too, is familiar. Are we getting in the Nazi elevator? Loop asks. We're getting in the Nazi elevator, Kravitz says. If he doesn't, Loop will keep asking until he answers. What the history books don't tell you, and what Kravitz finds weirdly endearing, is the fact that Captain America is actually terribly annoying. No, you're not getting in the Nazi elevator, Barry says over the comms. He's technically in a board meeting, Though whether he's paying any attention is another question altogether. He offered to come, but it's a hunger base in Jersey City. Loop and Kravitz should be able to handle it. Please don't get in the Nazi elevator. I've got a new toy for you. Loop pauses before she hits the down button. Yeah, babe? There's a flash drive in your belt pocket. Go to the receptionist's desk, turn on the computer, and stick it into the USB slot. Loop complies. A program opens on the desktop. Oh, good, Barry says. What did you do? Kravitz asks. 
I've got access to the network, and the security systems, webcams, and stuff. One moment, Greg. I'm dealing with a Nazi thing. I mean, a hunger thing. Uh, you know, Iron Man business. Sorry about that. Oh, jeez. Hunger did a really hack job, huh? The sound of typing. You can get in the Nazi elevator now. Basement's empty. No sign of Taco. Loop and Kravitz get into the Nazi elevator. Kravitz punches in the code to make the elevator deliver them to the sub-basement. Does a hunger have something against sunlight, do you think? Loop says. Kravitz shrugs. He's more Reaper than Kravitz, now that they're firmly in enemy territory. The elevator door opens. The basement is familiar. The hunger offices are all the same. Standardization. S.H.I.E.L.D. was the same way. Rows of empty desks and gray filing cabinets. It's eerily empty down here, too. Not like the base was abandoned. Like someone knew they were coming. There are still papers and knickknacks on desks, all set neatly aside like everyone in the office just took the day off, but expected to be back at work tomorrow. I'm already downloading the digital files, Barry says. This should make cleaning the base faster. We'll grab the hard copies, Kravitz says. Loop is already shuffling through file folders. Kravitz decides to take a lap around the perimeter, See if there's anything novel about the sub-basement. It's strange being here before the soldier. The soldier had left quite the bloody trail behind him, through the cities and the towns, rooms filled with blood and bone. Something feels wrong down here. Kravitz doesn't know what. But decades in the business have taught him to trust his gut. He scans the desks as he walks, but there is nothing that immediately seems out of place. Maybe he won't find anything, and later they'll send in another team to strip the place down to its bolts. Barry sending the shield agents that he's taken under Hall Winter Industries' wing to process and catalog it all and hush everything up. Then, Kravitz sees the door. Authorized technicians only is emblazoned in bright red letters. For a second, he wonders why it seems familiar, then remembers. The vault in D.C., the cryotube behind it, the chair they placed the soldier in to wipe his memories, the same equipment the Red Room used. A triple-layer memory. But technicians, for what? It doesn't necessarily have to be the cryotube, the chair. Kravitz hopes for the soldier's sake that there's some other machinery inside. What's behind that door? he asks Barry. A long pause before Barry answers. 
what door? There's a door, says authorized technicians only in red, across from the desks. Typing. It must be in a blind spot, Barry says. No cameras behind it. You find something? Luke calls from across the room. I think so, Kravitz responds. Barry says there's no cameras in there. Well, might be a trap, Loop says. She sounds excited. He knows that she's been frustrated by the lack of progress they've been making, riding on the Winter Soldier's coattails. She must be spoiling for a fight. Might be, Kravitz responds. Ladies first, Loop says, and kicks the door in, raising her shield. Bullets strike the shield as soon as the door goes down. Small caliber, not enough force to even make the shield buckle. They drop to the floor, and Loop raises the shield to send it flying in the direction the bullets came from. Except, when she moves her arm, she sees the tableau in front of her. The chair, and the blood, and the body. And her brother. Taco, half-dressed and curled up in the awful contraption, like he's too scared to walk away, covered in blood. It clings to his chest, it soaked through his pants and smeared on his arms, all the way up his metal fingers. The body of some hunger goon lies in front of him, his neck at an unnatural angle. Taco looks like a caricature of a serial killer, looks like a murder victim brought back to life. He's got his handgun pointed straight at her, but his eyes widen and he drops it like a hot coal as soon as he sees her on the other side of the door. It hits the ground, the smallest splash of red. She drops the shield instantly. Oh, God! She could have bashed his head in! She could have killed him! This is the first time she's seen him since he ran from the tower, and she could have slammed his brains out and... Why is he shirtless? Why is he covered in blood? He's sitting in the god-awful device that takes away his memory. What was that bastard lying at Taka's feet trying to do? Is any of the blood Taco's? He's here. Taco's here. Taco! Loop says, oh fuck, Taco! He doesn't move. She steps forward. Loop, Kravitz says, a warning wrapped in a word. She doesn't spare him a glance. Kravitz keeps talking. We don't know what they did to him. Our comms went dead when we came in the room. His voice is steady, too steady. He's all business now. He's right about Barry not being in their ear anymore, but Loop doesn't want to listen. The chair. You shouldn't. He hesitates, like he realizes the futility of what he's saying. Loop continues to ignore him. Do you remember me? Loop asks softly, because Kravitz does have a point. 
she hadn't thought about Taco's brain being scrambled. She'd assumed that since Taco killed the goon, he escaped reprogramming. But if he had, why would he still be here? Why wouldn't he have cleaned up, ghosted? She hadn't even known he was here. This is the first time they've been able to catch him, and now that the shock of the gore covering the scene has worn off, she can't help thinking that something has gone terribly wrong. Taco makes the shallowest dip of his head. Oh, thank God. She feels selfish for the rush of relief that washes over her, but she can't help it. He remembers her. Hi, Loop, Taco says, voice even softer than hers. Hi, Taco, she says, and if she sounds like she's about to cry, that's because she is. She wants him out of this room. She wants him safely at home. Can I come over there? You'll get your boots all gruesome, he says, and he sounds so much like her brother that tears do start welling up at the corners of her eyes. I don't care! He nods, another shallow dip of his head, and Luke practically sprints over so she can make sure he's physically alright, because she figures that his mind's a lost cause for the moment. He's covered in blood. He seems two seconds away from being catatonic. But at least she can make sure he's in no immediate danger of bleeding out. Is any of this yours? Did he hurt you? I hurt him, Taco says. I tore his throat out. He had one of the Winter Soldier's old kill switches, the one that paralyzes me. He says these things like they have no emotional weight, as if he's saying the sky is blue. You overrode it, Kravitz says, looking up sharply from where he's inspecting the body at Taco's feet. Taco nods a third time, accompanied by a small shrug, as if to say, I don't know how. He wanted me to join him, be his pet assassin. I don't fucking know, Taco says. He glances back at Loop. She's staring at him, desperate to take him all in. Like maybe if she looks hard enough, she'll be able to read his mind. She hopes that none of his ribs are broken. None of the blood is mine. Are you hurt at all? Loop asks. Taco shakes his head. She doesn't know what to say to him. She's been chasing him for months. She's dreamed about this day, planned out what she says, that she cared about him, that he worried her when he left, that it didn't matter what he did, who he acted like, as long as he was safe and around. That she loved him. That he made her so mad. But all the words seem wrong now. Do you want to get out of here? Loop asks instead. She wants to ask why he's still here. She knows what happens in the chair. She's read the reports. 
the asset was wiped. The asset screamed. The asset complied. She wants to throw laptops across the room in anger and grief because of what the hunger did to her brother. I can't, Taco says. He sounds small and miserable. He sounds exactly like he did when they were six and he had the flu and she didn't and he was too sick to come and play with her and she demanded he come out anyway. They both got in trouble when he did, but Taco didn't want her to be alone. Why not? she asks, trying to keep her voice gentle. She's not demanding anything of him. She just wants to understand. I can't, he says, even more agitated. I... Fuck. She sees the rapid rise and fall of his chest. He's starting to hyperventilate, his eyes darting from side to side. Maintenance required. Protocol must be observed. Asset needs to be stored properly. Proper maintenance requ- Fuck! He grasps her arm with his hand, the flesh one, without seeming to know what he's doing. She doesn't know what to do. And without thinking, she lets him clutch her and uses her other hand to rub small circles on his back as he mumbles to himself. There's blood all over her uniform now, too. Hey, Taco, it's okay. It'll be okay. What's... You don't have to move yet. We can wait. It's okay. Loop can feel panic rising in her own throat. She doesn't want to leave him in the chair, but she doesn't want to send him spiraling into a panic attack either. Conditioning, probably, Kravitz says quietly. Loop doesn't jump, but it's a close thing. She'd kind of forgotten he was here. He's not allowed to leave. I will... Carry him out if I have to, Loop snarls. And hey, that's not actually a bad idea. I can do it, Kravitz says, if he's all right with that. Loop turns her head to look at Kravitz, surprise written across her face. I wouldn't wish the procedure on my worst enemy, Kravitz says, answering her unspoken question. Here, give him to me. You smash the equipment, if that sounds okay with you, Taco. Too bad you don't have the hammer guy with you, Taco mumbles, sagging against the loop like a dead weight. She wants to ask how much he knows about the Avengers. She doesn't remember getting into too much detail about Magnus and his hammer before. She's not sure Taco was taco before either. He's so much more himself now, even if he is exhausted and bloody and looks like he hasn't been eating enough. At least he's not hyperventilating. Okay, yeah, get me out of here. I don't care anymore. That statement is concerning. Now is not the time to unpack it. 
Lou disentangles Taco from her arms, and Kravitz steps forward, neatly scooping Taco into a bridal carry. She knows that Taco would usually be embarrassed about this, or at least flirtatious. Taco being carried by a handsome guy would usually be prime Taco being really gay and annoying time. Now he just leans his head against Kravitz's shoulder. Loop raises her shield. This might get messy, she says, and loud. Maybe get out of here, yeah? She waits for the door to close behind them, then slams the side of her shield into the chair. The terrific screech of it smashing through the metal chair is the most satisfying sound Loop's heard in a long time. I can walk, Taco says as soon as they cross the threshold and the door closes behind them. All right, Kravitz says, but he has his private doubts. He knows the cascade triggers that Taco referred to, the conditioning that kept him tied to the chair even after their effect wore off, knows the bone-deep, irrational fear that could be buried in your mind. He sets Taco down in an office chair instead of on his feet. Taco makes no move to get up. Kravitz is working on autopilot, mostly. Fortunately, his autopilot is better than most people's manual. Most of his brain is preoccupied with memory. He watched the Winter Soldier get wiped once when he was much, much younger. It's seared into his brain, another thing he probably should have told Loop about. It's shameful. He did nothing to try and stop it. Kravitz refuses to feel guilty for that. At the time, he was no more able to question orders than Earthworm was able to fly. To intervene would have meant his punishment or death, or maybe him being manhandled into the chair, too, which would probably also have meant death with someone without Taco's enhancements. Still, he feels a little better, having been useful here, having helped Taco get out of the room. Kravitz sits down in another chair next to Taco. She was going crazy trying to find you, he says. He studiously avoids staring at Taco, watching him out of the corner of his eye instead. He's blood splattered, and there are strands of hair falling out of his ponytail. Kravitz is struck by the irrational urge to fix it. Yeah, Taco says. I didn't ask her to. A good thing she did, though. Yeah, Taco says. His voice cracks. Yeah. Kravitz looks down at his hands. They listen to Luke destroy the chair, the room, on the other side of the door, in silence.
It takes half an hour. Loop comes out of the lab, but breathing heavily. Her face flushed. No one, she says, hair plastered to her face with sweat as she kneels down next to Taco, her shield clanging against the tile. No one, no one's ever going to touch you again, okay? No one's putting you back in the fucking tube. They'll have to go through me first, and I won't let them get to you, okay? Taco? She says his name tentatively. She's maybe crying. He looks up at her. I want to go home. She remembers him saying this once before. It was during the war, late at night, only the two of them on watch. He'd said it like a confession and looked immediately embarrassed. She'd squeezed his hand and said, I want to go home too. And that was the last they spoke of it, because they were Captain America, and if they didn't believe in their cause, who would? Now he says it like someone lost. Like home is a strange concept to him, a place he doesn't know. The remnant of desire without a direct object. She brushes the hair out of his face, tucking it behind his ear, and tries to wipe blood off his cheek, but it just smears. He leans into her hand anyway. She wonders if it's a conscious movement. Okay, Luke says. Her voice breaks a little. Okay, we're going home. I'll get the helijet. Kravitz says, his voice as soft as Loop's ever heard it. Loop hadn't even thought of that. She and Kravitz left the jet a good four blocks away to preserve some element of surprise. Loop can't just wheel Taco down the hall and directly into her bedroom. There's logistics to take care of. They don't show these bits in movies. The part where you're in a building owned by Nazis waiting for your best friend, the super spy, to fly a helijet your boyfriend's company owns to the roof. Taco is getting blood all over a hunger office chair. Loop is getting blood all over her hands. Kravitz hasn't made a single comment about the Winter Soldier being dangerous. He hasn't murmured under his breath that she shouldn't be fooled by him, that he's going to turn on them at any moment. Loop's grateful because she doesn't have the energy for an argument right now. Kravitz touches her shoulder, squeezes it gently. I'll be back in fifteen minutes, he says. Twenty tops. I'll call Barry, too. Thanks, Loop says. She knows she should talk to Barry herself, but she can't imagine explaining everything over the phone. She knows he's probably watching through the cameras, but she wants to talk to him about this while burying her face in his shoulder as he rubs her back. Call me if you need anything before I'm back.
Kravitz says, and she knows this is his tacit attempt at giving her some space. She dredges up an appreciative smile for him. He nods and squeezes her shoulder again as he walks away. Loop watches him go, then turns back to Taco. His body language is all Taco now. The way he's curled up in his chair could be Taco at twenty, fifteen, ten, five. It could be Taco after getting scolded for stealing. Taco in the bathroom after Jerry Darwin broke up with him. Taco the morning after their aunt died. It's the way he shrank when he was miserable. As if he could disappear into a corner of the universe and be forgotten. When he's happy, he's expansive, sprawling out in his words and limbs and actions. But he licks his wounds in private. Getting him to talk was always like pulling teeth. First painful and slow, then everything out all at once. How are you doing? Loop asks as she dabs at Taco's forehead. He shrugs. He runs a hand through his hair and pulls at the dried blood coating the strands. He yanks harder. She hastily grabs his fingers and holds them in her own. He's going to pull out his own hair if he keeps that up. Stop! He pauses, frowning. Stop! Fucking stop! Asking me questions! He says with a vicious stutter, as if it's hard for him to spit out the words. Sure, Loop says immediately. She's just happy he's talking to her. Fuck, sorry, I wouldn't be in the mood for a conversation either. No, it's not. I'm just... Shit's hard, he says, still stilted, but sounding more like himself. I don't mind you talking. It's... Yeah, you're good. Just no questions, she says lightly. That was a question, Taco says. She grins at him, startled into laughter. He smiles back. It looks awful between his gaunt face, the blood still dappling it, his hair plastered to his neck. It's all unmistakably Taco though. That was pretty lame, she says, and then tests the waters. Just like you. Fuck off, he says and closes his eyes. I'm tired. Leave me alone. Absolutely not, Loop says. She puts his hand back down, placing it carefully on the armrest. You're my heart, remember? Can't go leaving that around just wherever. Taco doesn't say anything to that and closes his eyes. He stays like that as she tries to separate the strands of his hair. Loop wonders if he's fallen asleep. He looks like he needs it. She wants to ask him a thousand questions. Why did he leave? 
What were his plans? Why didn't he tell her? But all of that can wait. She's going to pour him into bed as soon as he takes a bath. He doesn't really look up to standing. When she lifts her hand away, Taco opens his eyes. Hey, she says. You back with us? He stares at her for a long moment, expression blank. It scares her a little. Yeah, Taco says finally, the blankness falling away. Yeah, I think so. Something in his head feels different, as if sitting in the chair reset him, as if he'd been wiped, except instead of being wiped, something had been poured into him. It feels different to look at Loop now. He can connect Captain America to his sister, to him, and it feels different in a way that he's unable to articulate. She's still his first priority, sure, but she's no longer his handler. He can think of himself as Taco now, and it's a surprise, but it feels as natural as breathing. He's Taco. That's Loop. Of course. He knew that before, that he was something derived from Taco, that he was going through the motions of being Taco, but the concept of identity was like water slipping through his fingers. Now he can think, I'm Taco. He can think, Loop is taking me to her apartment, and of course she's taking me to her apartment, because she's my twin sister and she loves me. She wants me to come because I'm her brother, and I am her brother. The thought is easy. The ease scares him, being able to think of himself as more than an action-impulse ghost without thinking it's fake, without worrying that someone else's memories had been implanted in his brain, the uneasy desire to care for Loop, to kill the hunger. Before, there'd been a barrier keeping him from really feeling them, but there's something alive in his brain now. Loop keeps trying to wipe the blood off his skin. She's getting it all over her hands. They're shaking a little. And that's a memory, isn't it? He was always the one with steady hands, stillness beaten into him with his sniper training. Loop sitting next to him, getting blood on her fingers as she patched up one of his wounds. A stray bullet to his thigh, a lucky shot, but he got the bastard back. And he had to spend the next six hours hiding in that fucking tree, and by the time he got down, the wound had mostly healed, but he was dizzy with blood loss, and Loop had wiped the blood off and bandaged him up with trembling hands because she was one month into active combat, and she still wasn't used to the thought that he could die and she wouldn't know about it until after it happened. He remembers the way that felt now, 
not just the clinical recollection, but the visceral sense memory of bark beneath his palms, of his feet sinking into the mud as he trudged back to camp alone. Quit fussing at me, Taco says now, just like he said then. You're only smearing it around anyway. You're covered in blood, Loop says. He can't argue with that. He is covered in blood. The metallic scent of it is heavy in his nose. It doesn't bother him. He smells like metal because of the arm anyway. But the blood is drying and tacky and very uncomfortable overall. Well, he says, that's a me problem. Taco, Luke says, and in that word he gets a thousand inflections. Exasperation, worry, fondness. The way she said his name so many times before. He can put all those thoughts together. Together, together. So novel. So normal. Loop, he says back without thinking. The most organic thing. She smiles at him again, small and surprised, a direct contrast to her shaking hands. He hates that he is doing this to her. Taco shouldn't have stayed. He should have bolted the moment that Kravitz carried him out of the room. He could have run. It would have been difficult, but he should have tried. He's an extra complication in Loop's life. He's got more bases to hit, more hunger agents to kill, a semblance of a routine. Routine is good when everything about your existence gets fucked, right? He's pretty sure he'd heard someone say that. But now he knows that Loop would just keep following him. That if it wasn't here, she'd catch him somewhere else. Caps like a bloodhound, and she's got his scent. Loop always has to get her way. He knew that intellectually before, but now he's internalized it. He knows it like he knows that Loop is good. Before he had some hope that he could finish his self-imposed mission and disappear, now that something in his brain has been shaken loose, he knows that Loop wouldn't stop. He's so tired, anyway. He knows it wasn't that long, but it felt like he spent days sitting on the chair, unable to get up and walk away. And before that, the crush of the handler's windpipe, the ride to the base in Jersey City, the poorly staged car accident in Jersey City, the base before that, the one before and before and before. The adrenaline rush is wearing off. He can't even summon the strength to bat Loop's hand away. When was the last time he slept? He wants to sleep, but nothing about the situation says safe. And suddenly, he misses Loop's quiet bedroom. Her bed piled high with pillows. Why had he left? He left because he didn't think he was Taco. 
He left because his brain was a bucket of nuts and bolts, spilling everywhere. That's still true. But he wants to go home. He's not sure what he means by home. Kravitz is here, Loop says abruptly, putting a hand to her earpiece and standing. Taco freezes in surprise, stupid of him not to notice the earpiece at all. He must be more tired than he realized. You want to ride over? I could push you. He doesn't like the idea of being carted around like equipment. I can walk. T, you look like you're going to fall over, Loop says. Taco scowls. Nothing is physically wrong with him. He's fine. I can walk, he insists, and staggers out of the chair. Loop hastily wraps an arm around his waist to steady him. Sure you can, she says. Hey, go slow, okay? Taco doesn't answer, too preoccupied with the business of putting one foot in front of the other without stumbling. Between the two of them, they manage to get up the stairs and onto the roof. The helijet is branded with Hallwinter Industries. Kravitz is standing in the doorway and waves when he sees them. Loop waves back with her free arm. Barry's meeting us at the tower, Kravitz says, stepping to the side so they can get up the ramp and into the jet. He cut his meeting short. Taco's not really paying attention to the logistics. He lets Loop help him into a seat, but being strapped in, that's no good. He lets it happen anyway, too tired to fight it, even though having to sit here, still, without anywhere to go, makes something in his brain go shrill with panic. His face must be doing something strange, because when Luke glances up at him from fastening the straps, she does a double-take. T, what's wrong? she asks, sitting beside him. He shakes his head and hides his face in her shoulder again, gripping her wrist with his flesh hand, careful to keep his metal one far away from anything, clenched tightly into a fist. Okay, Loop says. You're okay. He's not, but it's nice of her to lie about it. It's reassuring, but too reminiscent of this won't hurt a bit, soldier. And now, it's like he's strapped down back in the chair, or maybe he's being strapped down on a table, and everything is starting to feel sort of distant, and he's going to miss the feeling in his brain that he just started getting back, the solidness of it. He's not feeling great. He's feeling nothing at all. He's weightless. Or, no, that's just the helijet taking off. There's someone talking in his ear, but he can't process it anymore, and... He loses some time. Taco blinks, and between one blink and another, he's suddenly back. The last thing he really remembers is straps cutting across his chest, not being able to hear anything. He remembers waiting for the mouth guard to be inserted. He jerks forward in surprise, and there's a sharp pain at the back of his skull.
Hey, Loop says, chill. If I was pulling too hard, you could have just said. He stops moving. He looks down. He's sitting in a bathtub filled with steaming water and bubbles halfway up his chest. The water is tinged a little pink where the caked blood is beginning to dissipate. There are suds on his shoulder. Everything smells like citrus. Loop's fingers scratch his scalp gently, detangling his hair. Why am I in a bathtub? he asks dumbly. Well, you were covered in blood, and you looked like you were going to fall over, and when I called your name, you didn't answer, Loop says, measured and matter-of-fact. Oh, he scared her. I figured I could at least fix one of those things. Taco draws his knees up to his chest. The hot water feels good against his skin. He can't remember the last time he took a bath. You could have just told me to take a shower. I could have handled it. T, I had to unbuckle you and carry you out of the seat in the helijet. You were pretty fucking unresponsive. Oh, Taco says. Sorry. He doesn't want to talk about the way getting strapped in reminded him of being strapped into the chair. Not right now, with all the heat leaching into his bones. The Winter Soldier was so seldom warm. No one poured the Winter Soldier into a tub with citrus bubble bath and washed the blood out of his hair. It's okay, Loop says, and her voice is kind. It's the same voice she used to call stray cats in alleyways. Fucking hell, he can't believe he remembers that. He sort of hates that she's using it on him. He feels like if she didn't, he'd just about lose it. It's been kind of a fucked up day, huh? The laugh rips out of his chest like a sob and he curls up tighter, wet face to wet knees. Ha! Kind of a fucked up century. It's a parallel of the first time Taco entered the tower, except for all the ways it isn't. Physically, he's in worse shape. That's obvious, even at a glance, especially when the blood's been washed off him. He almost falls asleep twice in the bathtub, and Loop has to shake his shoulder to keep him awake. Just a little longer, and you can go to bed, all right, she says. She stands and unhooks the shower head from the wall and hands it to him. Rinse off. I'm going to go grab you some pajamas. I want your Captain America hoodie, Taco says, taking the shower head from her. Yeah, Loop says. Of course, you got it. Loop leaves the bathroom. She sits on the side of her bed. Thirty seconds, she thinks. Thirty seconds and she can deal with 
everything. Taku's back. He's safe in the tower, and everything else can be a later problem. He's acting more like himself now, and that's what's different from the first day. He's asking for things. He's talking like he's Taco, not a confused automaton. Even if he's upset, at least he's showing that he's upset. Who wouldn't be upset after today? Christ. Kravitz had to carry him out of the hunger lab. This isn't even the first time Taco had to be carried out of a hunger lab. Her phone rings. She startles and picks it up. Hey, Barry says. Taco's gotten out of the bath in case he wanted to go back in there with clothes or something. Loop wrinkles her nose. Babe, are you watching us right now? No, Barry says. Maybe. Not watching. I just have the security feed up right now, and I told Jarvis to let me know when you had a minute. How are you holding up? Do you want me to come down there? Aw, he's worried about her, the nerd. She wedges the phone between her ear and her shoulder and stands. We're good, honey, she says. I'm just going to grab Taco something to wear and stick him in bed. How is he doing? Loop opens Taco's drawer, the one she mentally designated for him and filled up with clothes she thought he'd like the first time he came to the tower. Lots of purple, lots of clothes culled from her closet. She grabs the first pair of pajama pants she sees. He's like this close to passing out, she says. But he's not, like, disassociating anymore. He kind of snapped out of it in the bathtub. And he's upset, but he's taco upset, you know? She wriggles a t-shirt out of the drawer, along with underwear and fuzzy socks. I don't know, Barry says. But if you think that's good... Yeah, she says. He's... He's acting like himself. He wants my Captain America hoodie. Good? Yeah, Loop says. It's... yeah. She doesn't know how to explain the way there's an awareness Taco's showing, even though he's the sort of quiet he gets when he's really exhausted. That's familiar to her, same way as she's sure her moods are familiar to him after too long living together. God, she's missed him. She closes the drawer and picks up the Captain America hoodie from where it's hung in her closet. Gonna hang up on you now. I'll be down later? Sure, honey, Barry says. Let me know if you need me, all right? Seriously. We're good, babe, Loop says, and it's all fondness. Love you. She hangs up and shoves her phone back in her pocket before gathering up the clothes and returning to the bathroom. She knocks on the door and cracks it open. Clothing delivery? Taco sticks a hand out. She gives him the pajamas and the hoodie. The door closes. 
What? No thank you? Thank you, comes muffled through the door. You're welcome. She hovers outside the bathroom door. Paco fell asleep in the bathtub while she was washing his hair. No way is Loop leaving again until Taco is safely in bed. She checks her phone again. A message from Kravitz about the data picked up from the hunger base. Barry sending her a gif of a cute cat. Aww. The sound of a hairdryer makes Loop glance at the doorway. Do you need help with your hair? She calls. No, Taco calls back, and this could be any night back in Brooklyn, back in 1940, except for the fact that they're in a multi-million dollar penthouse, and 70 years in the future, and one of them was frozen for decades, and the other was brainwashed and getting used as a weapon. If she closes her eyes, she can pretend that this is Taco getting ready to go out, blow-drying his hair with the hairdryer they stole from Macy's, while Taco flirted with the sales clerk. But the past is the past. She opens her eyes again, just in time to watch Taco open the door. His hair is clean. He's bundled into the pajamas. He looks an entire world away from a few hours ago. I used your lotion, he announces. The fancy shit in the glass jar. Great, Loop says. It's not like you weren't using it every day the last time you were here. But now I appreciate it, Taco says, and his airy words are in direct contrast to the way he slumps his head against her shoulder, as if putting on clothes, drying his hair, and dabbing lotion on his face was some sort of phenomenal effort. At least he looks more comfortable now soft and wrapped in her hoodie. Go to sleep, Dingus, Loop says, and it feels okay to insult him now. Poke some fun. They never spoke nicely to each other unless shit had really hit the fan, and it's been hitting the fan for months, it feels like. Years, maybe. You're not the boss of me, Goofus. Taco mumbles, and she has to keep a wide smile from stretching across her face. She puts an arm around his waist. Taco lets her direct him over to the bed, turning down the duvet and depositing him in between the sheets. He grabs one of the pillows and smashes his face into it. Luke gives him another, and he clutches it to his chest. He looks supremely comfortable. He turns his head for a moment and looks up at her through nearly closed eyes. You'll be here when I get up? He practically slurs, two seconds from being completely conked out. Yeah, Loop says, and she hates that he feels like he has to ask. Cool, Taco says, and turns his face back into the pillow curling up neatly. Who's sleep too? Barry's watching the security feed from Loop's room, feeling happy to have her home and safe, 
I'm glad she's got Taco now. He doesn't hear Kravitz walk into the lab, and Jarvis doesn't warn him, which means Barry's gonna have to have a talk with his AI. Are you watching your girlfriend and her brother sleep? Kravitz asks. You have cameras in Loop's bedroom. Barry nearly jumps out of his skin, banging his knee against his desk as he whirls his chair around to face Kravitz. Jesus Christ, Krav, make some noise when you walk. Kravitz has showered and changed into clean clothes. His eyes are fixed on the projection floating over Barry's workshop. You've got an AI. Jarvis would have told you if I was a threat he says. You know this is an invasion of privacy, right? You're watching it too, Barry says, feeling defensive. Only because you have it up, Kravitz says. I came looking for you, not this. How many secret cameras do you have around the tower? How many are operational? Barry closes out of the feed. I wanted to check in, but I didn't want to wake them. They both need sleep. So do you. I'm fine, Kravitz says. It's definitely a lie, even if everything about Kravitz's body language is projecting someone alert and ready to face the world. Barry's tired, and all he did was stay on the phone with the two of them while they rushed to Hunger Base. You're exhausted, Barry eyes Kravitz. Are you still worried about Taco being an agent of the hunger? He's been taking out hunger bases for months, Krav. He's not working for the hunger. Kravitz shakes his head. I'm not worried about him being a spy. I'm worried about him leaving again. He was strapped to the chair when we found him, Barry. He's got plenty of reason to bolt. I'm sure his head's a mess. Loop and I might have seemed like a good option when he was covered in his handler's blood and unable to move, but he's clean and safe now. What's to stop him from bolting once he's rested? Loop, Barry says. Loop's certain... It's really Taco in there this time. She's so relieved, Krav. She's happy, and I don't know what Taco's really like, but he seemed more alert. He asked for things Loop didn't offer him. He wasn't doing that before. Kravitz is quiet for a moment. Then he looks at Barry, smirking. You're worried, too. That's why you had the feed from Loop's room up. You wanted to make sure he wants to stay as badly as she wants him to. I just wanted to check on her, okay? Kravitz isn't wrong, though. Barry is worried. Loop cares about her brother a lot. She traveled up and down the coast following him, and Barry and Kravitz followed her, because that's what they do, because they love her.
Barry pushes his glasses up so he can rub his eyes. He's tired, and he'd love to sleep, but he knows he won't be able to. Want to order pizza? he asks, looking up at Kravitz. I'll put the security cam on in one screen and pull up a movie on the other to make it less weird. Kravitz raises an eyebrow, all imperious and judgy for a moment, then drops the act and pulls up a stool. Yeah, okay, he agrees, suddenly more relaxed, letting some of his exhaustion shine through in the slump of his shoulders. Please don't order pineapple on the pizza, Barry. I'm gonna order pineapple on the pizza, bud, Barry grins and pats Kravitz's knee. Don't worry, I'm a billionaire. I can afford two pizzas. Bickering about the pizza toppings is a nice normal thing to do. Barry orders plain pepperoni for Kravitz and Hawaiian for himself. It always surprises him when Kravitz likes basic things. Being a spy feels like it should automatically mean you have a preference for fancy food. Maybe he's seen too many Bond films. His dad had been fond of them. You want to watch some James Bond? Barry asks, glancing at Kravitz. We could go classic, something campy. Have you seen the one where they go to the moon? Kravitz gives Barry a confused look. The moon. Oh yeah, fuck. We're watching Moonraker, Barry says. And a second larger screen pops up beside the feed from Loop's bedroom. It's one of my favorites. I watched it all the time when I was a kid. It's a Roger Moore era film, and it's, I mean, it's, uh, bad, but that's why it's good. James Bond is nothing like being a real spy, Kravitz says, but settles in as the movie starts. What? You never had a sexy spy affair? Barry glances at Kravitz, grinning. No hotel tryst with agents on the other side of things? Kravitz snorts. I don't think you understand how conditioned patriotism works. Why would I have an affair with the enemy? I was loyal to my country until I wasn't. That's fair. But also, Barry's maybe been spending too much time with a spy as a friend. But you did have a sexy spy affair, he says. Just with someone on your own side. That sounds less sexy than the enemy things, honestly. Kravitz looks surprised briefly, momentarily. But then he looks blank as he takes careful control of his facial expressions. Teasing Kravitz is fun. Barry likes knowing that Kravitz lets his guard down around with him and Loop. He has a feeling they're on a very short list of people Kravitz is willing to do that around. It means Barry's got to give him shit about this. You did? Kravitz is pointedly not looking at him. 
His eyes focused over Barry's shoulder on the security feed from Loop's room instead. Barry's definitely onto something here. He grins, reaching over and prodding Kravitz's leg. Come on, bud. I'm an engineer. I don't get sexy spytress. Tell me something. You're a billionaire superhero who's dating Captain America, Kravitz says, glancing at him and raising an eyebrow. You're doing just fine. Barry laughs. Please? I'll leave you alone after, but you have no idea how curious I am now. This is Bond shit. It wasn't Bond shit, Kravitz says, voice firm. It was, we were on a mission, together. We'd been very successful. It was adrenaline, attraction. He pauses. It was at a fancy hotel, if that will sate your curiosity. It was good. There's something about the careful way Kravitz is talking about it that makes Barry feel like maybe he shouldn't be teasing him about this. Kravitz hasn't ever talked about his love life before. Barry's seen him flirt with plenty of people. Kravitz is extremely good-looking and a spy. Of course, he uses his looks to his advantage. But actual dating... Barry's not even completely sure how Kravitz identifies. You really like them, huh? He says after a moment. The, uh, spy person. Your partner. Kravitz shrugs, right back to looking at the screen instead of Barry. It was a long time ago, he says, which isn't an answer. Or it is, but not a direct one. People change. Whoever it was is probably on the other side of things, working against Kravitz now. Barry can't imagine. There's fighting with an X, and then there's fighting against an X. And Kravitz has drawn some pretty clear lines about where his loyalties lie. And maybe that's the nicer scenario. Spies don't have a long life expectancy, generally. I'm sorry, bud, Barry says. Didn't mean to dredge up bad memories. Kravitz shakes his head. They're not bad. They're just... From before I met RQ and she brought me in, they're... complicated. If you ever want to talk about it, I'll listen. Barry says, and then gets to his feet because the pizza's gonna arrive downstairs soon, and he gets the vibe that now isn't when Kravitz wants to talk about it. That maybe he never will. He reaches out and pats Kravitz's shoulder. I'm gonna get us both a drink, and then you can tell me everything wrong with the spy shit in Moonraker. It'll be fun, like a sleepover. A sleepover where we watch your girlfriend and her brother sleeping, Kravitz says, because he's an asshole. Yep, 
Barry says unrepentant. But you want to do that too, so you can't shame me anymore. Awareness returns to Taco in stages. First, the knowledge of the space around him. Soft sheets, pillows, blankets, someone warm beside him. He feels vaguely like maybe none of this should be all right. There's the niggling doubt that a body next to him shouldn't mean safety. That as soon as he realized that there was someone else there, he should have snapped awake. But his eyes are still closed, his mind still hovering in the comfortable, half-conscious fog between sleep and waking. He moves closer to the warmth without thinking. It's nice. This is nice. Everything is soft and warm and very present, like the past and the future are far away. He doesn't want to get up. He feels like if he let it, sleep would tug him under again. The duvet is a heavy weight to cross his body, and it's comforting, for once, to be enveloped by something like this. It smells like cotton, fresh laundry, the lotion that sits on Loop's nightstand. Oh, the person next to him must be Loop. Of course it's Loop. He cracks open an eyelid. There's Loop. She's curled up under the covers, head mashed into a pillow, so he can only see a sliver of her face and the tumble of her hair. She's snoring a little. Other than that, the room is quiet. His head is quiet. For a moment, it all seems utterly pedestrian. It's like the countless mornings when he woke up first, next to her, sharing a bed as kids because they were small, sharing a bed as teens because they were broke and only had one mattress, sharing a bed during the war because they were scared. Then he remembers that awful last day returning to the tower. Loop said she would be there when he woke up. Without his consent, his brain dredges up the memory of days Taco didn't remember himself, the last time he was here, waking without anyone around, the clouded fear he felt every morning, which he still can't explain. Taco is suddenly, irrationally afraid that he's dreaming Loop up, that his Swiss cheese brain is giving him a false image of exactly what he wants. His eyes snap wide open. He'll leave if she's a hallucination, he thinks, suddenly frantic. He'll leave. He won't be able to stand it if she's not there. Taco stares at Loop's softly breathing form. If she's real, he probably shouldn't wake her. She's got to be tired. But he has to know. He pokes her in the ribs with a cautious finger. She makes a soft sound of protest. He pokes her again, harder, and she makes a louder exclamation and wriggles away, kicking him without any real force. I'm sleeping, Taco. Taco. 
Woot mumbles. Go back to sleep. Hmm, Taco says, and closes his eyes again, satisfied. Heartbeat calming. Loop is there, real and solid and close. She told him to sleep. He doesn't have to listen, but he thinks he will. He's still very tired, he thinks abstractly. He's so fucking tired. He'll deal with everything later. Loop is next to him. He feels safe. He sleeps. The End of Chapter 18